He's reaching for my zipper and he's pulling it down. And he just ran. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, <laughs> the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. in the space of self-defense with just that sense of confidence. Once you have that feeling of owning your space and this is my body and no one else can do anything to it that I don't want, and once you know the technicals and you've done your hours in the studio and you've done your, your sweat and you've put Spa Petite behind you. Right. <laughs> Everybody should put that behind them for sure. That poor business, wherever they are. Oh, I think no they're offense. out of business now. We can say that now. And you're still here. And I'm here. Well, yeah. so I, I never told you this story. Do you remember when I worked at Schlotzky's Deli? Mm -hmm. I don't think I told you this. Maybe I did. I was 17 years old, and there were some other people working there, two guys, and it was just the three of us closing one night, and they decided, I don't know what, well, what they thought they were going to do to me, but I was a, 17, I would have been purple belt, mm -hmm. going on red. So yep. I had a few months under me, and I had a little bit of confidence to me. Anyway, that's just always kind of been my makeup, but... Anyway, this guy starts trying to take my jacket off. He's reaching for my zipper and he's pulling it down on my, my coat. Oh my gosh. And, there's, and I can't make out what they're saying. They're saying something gross, but it's another language. And I can just tell like everything about this is messed up. And now he's reaching for my clothes. And I just jumped into a fighting stance, both, both fists up and just stared at him right in the eyes. And he just ran. Oh my gosh, Teresa. I never no, told you, you never told me that. No, bravo. Well, it's the only time I've ever used any of my skills, if that's a skill. A it fighting is. Oh, stance it's definitely and eye a contact skill. and saying, hey, this is my space. You're about to make a big mistake. Absolutely. Then I just think if I hadn't stumbled into your studio one day because it was above the guitar store, how would that moment of my life have been different? My whole biography would be different by now, you know? Because those are pivotal Definitely moments. would. Definitely. But I do know you, and I know the type of person you are. And <laughs> you're, you're a very strong-willed. You were strong when you were a white belt. You know, it, I mean, you, you've, you've developed those strengths. But um, I have never really been able to look at you that you would have been a victim just because of your makeup. And I'm 5'9". And you're 5'9". I probably nine. had five inches on the guy. Yeah, you know, so that in itself and... and well... But you never know. You never know. And you never know. And we have that drill. I don't know if you still do it where, um, you know, the, the person walking on the street will just walk down the studio floor and the predator will come up behind them and just put a hand on their shoulder. And the whole drill is just, it, we used to do this without even any blocks or anything, just pivot, spin, and then take a fighting yep. stance and make that eye contact. We call it the thousand yard stare, yep. right? Perfect. Perfect. And without even doing any counter without moves, because anything. that's the beginning of it, saying, I own this space and you can't touch me. Exactly. And if you are going to touch me, you are going to have a fight yeah. on your hands. Yeah, you I'm, just, not, I'm not going down. Yeah, this is going to be, we're, gonna, yeah. we're both going to be surprised Absolutely. if you go through with this. That's <laughs> the way I like to think about we it. We tend to surprise ourselves yes. sometimes, which is a good thing. Yes. So 
that's just something that I'm curious about because you have that strong personality as well and have been a business owner for so long, even before your, your karate mm-hmm. days, you were in the jewelry mm-hmm. space and everything. Yep. So you came up through women's lib, but I can just picture you kind of at the head of the pack. I was my, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this this afternoon when I was going home and about our talk today. And I thought, I went through the women's movement. I went through burning your bra. I went through um, uh, my heroes of uh, Betty Friedan and um, um, Gloria, Steinem. Gloria Steinem. Oh my gosh. And the books that I read, Our Bodies Ourselves, was a huge book back then um, for me, where it just made you, it, you embraced your body and who you were. Um, another one was Up Against the Wall. Um, I think it was up against the wall mother. Um, and it was just the strengthening of women and that we've had it. And um, yeah, this happened to me, um, I'm going to say in my college years. I went to a Catholic high school. Um, I did 12 years of parochial school, which, you know, as far as women, um, <laughs> it's why I am the way I am. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of great experiences. I have great friends and, and things like that. But um, the women's movement really occurred for me, like 1971, 72. And, um, yeah, I really kind of owned myself. It, the women's movement gave me so much. Um, and when I was 19, my friend and I, we drove out to Long Island, just got in the car, drove out to Long Island for the summer, had no jobs. We ended up meeting a woman from Queens. We rented a room from her. We got waitress jobs and um, changed my life incredibly. This woman from Queens, she's passed away since then, Diane Dunleavy. She really, really made me strong and independent more than anybody else in my life. And I owe her so much, you know. Was there a time in your life in any, especially business relationships, where you paid a price for having a little bit more confidence and not, quote-unquote, knowing your place? Oh, men men don't like strong women. A lot of men don't like strong women. It takes a very strong man to be married to a woman like me. And An eighth-degree black belt yeah, it might take. right. And uh, you know what? It, and that's fine. You know, um, I when I first started my studio, I remember one of the other owners of another studio, which I won't ma- mention, he, he basically said that this was just my hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very male-dominated art, and um, I've just kind of slowly fought my way through. Mm-hmm. You know, I've walked <clears throat> gently and carried a big stick, and I've they haven't scared me away. You know, and that's it. They, they, they t- I don't want to say they tend to put you down, but they tend to put themselves in a, in a higher position. And I wonder just what they're afraid of. Like a woman was strong enough to give birth to them. Why can't right. they show some respect? I don't know. I, that's a really, I, I don't, well, and I, I look at it this way too, that if you have power, you don't want to give your power up. It's, mm. a very, it's a very intimidating, very threatening kind of thing. And if I had a lot of power and somebody was trying to take that, and I'm not really taking their power, I'm just owning my own power. You know, this has nothing to do with you. This is about me. So why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Mm-hmm. Because I'm taking my journey. Yeah. So, you know, and I got to a point where I thought, you know, it's not my problem. It's their problem. Totally. And if they can't handle a strong woman, um, that's fine. You know, they're, they're just not in my inner circle of people that I trust and 
in that. And, you know, my political views, we won't get into that, but I'm very right. strong. Mm -hmm. I, I have very, very firm ethics and how I think, how I would like the world to work. And I know that a lot of men are very intimidated by me with that, mm. you know, or they just think I should be a little more quiet. Well, I'm not going to be quiet. But you should. Yeah. yeah. You don't get anything done if you're quiet. <laughs> you really, you, you got to change the world and, and it's a process. And I try to show by example more than anything. You know, I tried to lead, I try to lead my life honestly and and with a lot of passion, and um, I want to pass, you know, that's, that's my first lesson for people. It's okay to get older, too. It's okay to be 65. You can be 65, and you can be jumping and running and, yeah. you know, strong, and um, people don't have to look past you when you're this age. And you age. can bow at the door here for the first time at Ab 65, abso 75. Absolutely. Bow at the door. I would love to, I would love for somebody to come in at the age of 60, 65, yeah. and stardom as a white belt. Absolutely. It would be so fun. Well, you talked about something that reminds me of a theme of this podcast, which is finding your voice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, it's a deliberate, deliberate pun since we're named after a singer. Um, but one of the hardest things as a martial arts instructor is just to get adults to yell. It's a little easier with kids, but it still depends on their personality. A grown-up walking in the first day, it takes months, months to get them to just let out a good karate yell. And I know, it, it, and it, it kind of floors me sometimes, but I, I look back and I think, I was, you feel silly, first of all. I think you feel like everybody's looking at you and um, you kind of feel sorry because you're, you're raised your entire life to kind of be quiet, you know, um, be seen, not heard, don't talk so loud, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you come here and it's like, come on. I want you to yell, and I want you to yell loud. This is the place on this earth that you get to yell. And if you've had a bad day, you can let it all out. If you've had a great day, you can let it all out. But, and I tell, the, I tell the students, find your voice. Nobody can speak for you but you. Hmm. you, know, if you, you I said, but you have to do it in a very respectful way. You don't demand things from people. Mm -hmm. But if, if somebody is doing something that you don't want them to do, you are the only person that can tell them, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I mean it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and don't say, please don't do that to me. You know, yeah. I mean, have a firm, find your voice. It's really an important thing in life. So back in the day, this time period you're talking about when you ran off to New York and things like this, there wasn't a hashtag. There wasn't a hashtag of anything. There was no hashtag. There, <laughs> there was, was no, no hashtag. Cell there was no internet. There was, there was no, no there was nothing. If someone had something, um, happened to them that was outside the, the normal range of human experience, something traumatic, aside from maybe seeing if they could look up in the yellow page as a good therapist and still there's no Yelp, so you still can't really look up anyone and see what it might be like, what avenues did people have? You'd have to, to find themselves? somebody that you trusted. You know, you'd have to find a, a, probably an adult or a dear friend that you trusted immensely and go to them first and see if they could help you find your way to the next step. Hmm. Um, I always felt like I could talk to my mom. You know, she, my mother was a nurse, and um, she was pretty much ahead of her time, too. Mm -hmm. So if somebody would have hurt me, I would have gone to my mom right away. Yeah. Right away. And she would have gone to my dad. <laughs> it seems like people didn't have a, a vocabulary. They weren't talking every day about PTSD and they weren't talking about what it feels like to be a survivor and, and they weren't talking about safe spaces and any of this other mm -hmm. stuff. How did people even begin to articulate, hey, something messed up happened and I don't know 
what to do, but it's affecting, it's disrupting my life, you know, especially if it had happened, say, 10, 15 years ago. I just feel like when I look back on that time period from before I was born, I picture just this sense of helplessness. I think there absolutely was. I think that a lot of, like, in high school years and all that, a lot of drinking, a lot of alcohol abuse happened. Uh, We didn't have the drugs that they have nowadays, you know, um, as my senior year, um, pot came into being, you know, that was, um, and certain people kind of went off on that route. And, and so I think it was more self-medication. Hmm. Um, you didn't hear, I mean, people didn't talk about their problems, you know, it was kind of like, you don't hang out your dirty laundry was kind right. of a saying that they'd say, but, um, you know, you had school counselors if you felt comfortable going to them or if there was a teacher that you really connected with. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, it, it, it's something I never really thought about, Teresa, and it, it's, it's going to have me thinking about that for a long time because mm-hmm. there were times that we didn't feel like we fit in, mm-hmm. you know, um, that if somebody's doing something to you physically, are you scared to tell somebody? I had, a, I had a music teacher that would bring his finger up and down my back yeah. for my bra strap, and it was my violin teacher. I gave you Kel's violin because yeah. he told me that yeah, story. Yeah, I told you that story, and, I didn't, and I'm surprised I didn't tell my mom. But it was just so, it was so weird. I had never experienced anything like that, so I just quit violin. That was my way of right. dealing with it. It's like I'm not going back to him. You didn't hold anyone accountable. You didn't right. use your voice. You said, okay, I guess I don't belong here. Exactly. And whatever and many years have. later, you said, you know, Kel had passed. We're there in the room. And you told me that story. I was like, take her violin. Go learn this instrument. Exactly. And I should have held somebody accountable. But I was it's like easy seventh to look back. grade, yeah. you know. And, and, and again, there was no narrative that was being handed to you of this is what you do if. Well, and back then it would have been, well, what did you do? Yeah, you know, exactly. Or, the yeah, shame the part. The shame part, you know. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I was just sitting in a chair trying to do my, you know, my, my string run or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> but scales. yeah, so I just, I quit. Well, and, these days you hope someone like that is fired on the spot. And they should be. And I think kids are speaking out more. Well, they are. I mean, mm-hmm. they have places to go with this. And, um... Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!